What does Dark Knight director Christopher Nolan truly think of the recent popularity of superhero movies? Why does Nintendo want you to die? Black Panther 2 is going to begin filming? We explore that and more on today's Chappelle showiest, Deadpooliest, Michael J. Foxiest episode of Nostalgia Cast. Welcome to Nostalgia Cast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up to date nostalgic news where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts. Let's take a look back into our childhoods through the lens of modern pop culture with your hosts, Andrew Price, Dad Beats, aka Kirk Pinchon, and sometimes Tyler Palo, but not today. What you up? Know, I can hit that note, did ya? Nah, what's up? That I just, I just, you know, that old commercial from the '80s, the Maxwell commercial, breaks the glass. Yeah, that was that was what I just experienced. I, uh, I, I lack singing talent, but I'm not afraid of the falsetto. Yeah, yeah, and in, in your in your in your body voice, your voice is trash. But when you get that, <laughs> when you fit, hit that falsetto, it's like an angel. <laughs> thanks man i appreciate that yep what's going on you you have a lovely singing voice what, what is this <laughs> full stop what is this that's all i say you have a lovely singing voice what is fill this? In the blank <laughs> there i'm doing fine andrew how are you i'm confused angry I don't know how to react to this this line you're throwing out after years <laughs> of gaslighting. Why is my opinion from my heart that I consider a compliment gaslighting? Because for literal years, since like 2015 or something. Yeah. You've been yeah. saying, you've been making the clearly facetious and passive-aggressive statement that I could be a good background singer, a backup singer. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you perceive it. I complimented you one day in the office in 2015 because you were singing, and I said, hey, man, you're a great singing voice. You'd be a great backup singer. And you took that as a slight, like... As in, like, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. How is it not a slight? Ten feet from stardom. Have you seen that documentary? It's fantastic. Those are amazing singers. That's you. You're you're retconning this whole thing. (laughs) You are the Saida Garrett of my world. This this is this is spin (laughs) to the highest order. It's not. I, oh, I, we will never ever come to terms on this. Where I think that me saying you have a great singing voice for a backup singer is a compliment. It sounds and you like, think it's trash. Sounds like venom just spewing out of your face. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It comes from the heart. If you perceive it as, as darkness, that's on you. I'm going to write that down. 
That's some, that's some, <laughs> that's some, some good lyrics. That's some hot. You can have those for free. You give it to a singer and you can sing back about it. Oh, God, you motherfucker. <laughs> handed it, I handed that to you on a silver platter. You did. Uh, happy holidays. Yeah. So, uh, so we we're back. We 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 took off Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope it. I hope no one perceived that as another uh, out of nowhere hiatus. We we just we just did. We didn't do an episode for Thanksgiving. Um, In the NBA, that's known as a scheduled loss. Yes. Uh, but we're back. How was how your how was how are your holidays? Or I guess oh, holiday. Man. We haven't done the full holidays yet. I've done the full holiday. It was just sitting at home, watching TV, and eating like any person in their right mind should be doing. Yeah, and it was it was pretty great if you ask me. <laughs> you like it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you, was, you like this world anyway. You're down for it. It was nice having some Thanksgiving dinner at my own house, not having to go and see anybody, not having to. Uh, you know the 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 stereotype or the trope of going to like a Thanksgiving dinner and getting into arguments with your like racist uncles or whatever uh, that people talk about. I I never I'm not one to engage with my family. Like I don't I don't argue with my family members about things. Like my family members have very uh, different views on things than I do. But I I really I'm not one to go and like instigate arguments with people. So. My mm-hmm. my my holiday experiences are just kind of sitting there and just listening to people say things and just kind of being like, oh God, like when is this going to be over? So what I'm hearing from you is best Thanksgiving ever. Yep. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was nice. It was good. That's hysterical. That's hysterical. Yeah, I don't run into that problem, so I miss seeing my family, but you know, we'll see each other soon. And in the meantime, just stuff my face. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean that. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. I like <laughs> much like all these other, much like all anything that's going on in this year. There's really not a lot to it. There's not. A, there's like not a lot to report about things. It's like yeah, Thanksgiving, this holiday. Uh, I sat here and did nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty great, but it's not an it's not an interesting story to tell. That's for sure. Nope. But it's keeping us alive. Yep. Uh, so, uh, getting into the, getting into the stories, getting into the industry news, first and foremost, this, this first story, uh, I, uh, I, I don't even know what to say about this. This makes me angry. This is the thing that makes me angry out of this whole outline. Well, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on that. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, Christopher Nolan, who directed, uh, I mean, he's directed a lot of movies, he, but, uh, you know, most relevant to this story, he directed the three Batman movies, the, 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 you know, the, uh, Batman begins dark Knight and dark Knight returns or not, not dark Knight returns, dark Knight rises. Um, dark Knight, dark Knight returns is that movie is going to be directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, Oh, that's the new one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not actually, but he said he wanted to. And I was like, no, please don't. Uh, Um, yeah. Dark Knight rises. He directed the three, uh, Christian Bale, Batman movies. Um, and he, you know, he, he made those movies back before superhero movies became like the main thing that we all like the, the main form of entertainment in America. Um, and so he's recently talked about his thoughts on 
where the world of superhero movies has gone in in within the context of the industry. So, um, and he he says that they've become uh, engines of commerce. So Christopher Nolan's My new album, yes, engines of commerce. Your your nineteen eighties prog uh, rock <laughs> album. Yeah, uh, Christopher, Christopher Nolan's commercial tour for Tom Shore's new book, The Nolan Variations, continued this week with a lively uh, virtual discussion presented by 92Y. The Tenet and Inception Oscar nominee sat down with Shore and Entertainment Weekly senior writer Clark Collis to chat about what it's like having his career defined and examined on the pages of Shore's book. Amongst the chat's most enlightening moments was when Nolan expressed relief in mounting his Dark Knight trilogy when he did. Batman Begins went into production in March of 2004 and was released the following year, three years before the MCU launching Iron Man and Nolan's own The Dark Knight uh, turned the comic book genre into the studio system's crown jewel. It was the right moment in time for the telling of the story I wanted to do, Nolan said. The origin story for Batman had never been addressed in film or fully in the comics. There wasn't a particular or exact thing we had to follow. There was a gap in movie history. Superman had a very definitive telling with Christopher Reeves and Richard Donner. The version of that with Batman had never been told. We were looking at this telling of an extraordinary figure in an ordinary world. With no pre-existing template to follow and with the comic book films not an established genre yet, no one said he was able to develop the Dark Knight trilogy with a lot of creative freedom in the show and show the studio that it w- uh, this is what it can be. As a result, developing the Dark Knight trilogy came without the studio interference that often meets comic book films these days. The other advantage was we had... Uh, we had back then was that we could take more time between sequels. Nolan added when we did Batman begins, we didn't know we would do one and it took three years to do it. And then four years before the next one, we had the luxury of time. It didn't feel like a machine, an engine of commerce for the studio. As the genre became so successful, those pressures became greater and greater. It was the right time. So he thinks he, he got in early uh, and was able to uh, make these movies with more creative freedom and that, you know, superhero movies have now become an engine of commerce where you have to be cranking one out every year or whatever it is. Again, look out for my album, Engine of Commerce. Mm-hmm, yes. You can get it on eBay. That's the only place you can find it. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I mean, I do love Christopher Nolan and I want to support what he's saying, but part of me calls bullshit on what he's saying. How so? Because uh, just as a side note, first of all, the that book, the Nolan Variations. Come on, that's your name of your title for that book, <laughs> dude. Come on, I I want to read a book about Christopher Nolan, but I don't want to read a book of Christopher Nolan called the Nolan Variations. That's stupid. That being said, doesn't he? It feels like he's going. My superhero trilogy wasn't commerce. All the ones after mine were commerce. I didn't do it as commerce. And I'm like, well, yeah, you did, because it's a Batman movie. And they'd already done a bunch of Batman movies, so you're just doing the next iteration of Batman movies for commerce. Yeah, I mean, especially because, I mean... Like, I understand what he's saying in terms of having more creative freedom and not being expected to fill in some kind of template or have some kind of very strict production timeline and all this stuff. I, I, I get that aspect of it. But in terms of defining it as like pre-superhero movies becoming an engine of commerce, 
I understand the engine part of it or the machine part of it, that it hadn't become this thing of like, you know, we've built an entire empire off of these movies or whatever. But, you know, especially in his case, you know, I like those movies, some of them more than others. And, you know, while I while I love the movies for various reasons, they, you know, they do have some I do have some problems with them here and there. Uh, and as much as I as much as I love the movies, you know, I, I think a lot of people disagree with this because these are kind of the movies that they've been introduced to Batman with. So, you know, there are people that just hands down think that these are the best Batman movies of all time. This is the definitive version of Batman. Christian Bale is the best Batman of all time. But in reality, you know, if you and I'm not I'm not a purist like this, so I'm not really saying this as my own like opinion, like I'm not fanboying or whatever. But, you know, the, 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 the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are really not the definitive interpretation of Batman. If 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 anything, they are a huge departure from sort of the spirit of what the character was in the comics. And, you know, and I think, you know, that that's partially to do with the fact that Christopher Nolan, you know, wanted to take them in a different direction. And, you know, he wanted to interpret Batman in this lens of like, what would this character really be like in the real world? Like, let's interpret this character in like a real world setting instead of a fantastical comic book setting. But also, you know, as much as he sort of has in this interview, he's kind of retconning it and looking back and being like, we had an opportunity to tell this character story in a different way or whatever. The, th- the thing about it is, is that Christopher Nolan did not care about Batman. Like he he got this job oh, directing Batman Begins as an opportunity to direct a big franchise movie as as a career move. Uh, and I didn't know that. If anything, he was like, what can I do with this franchise that I don't give a crap about? Um, and I think that's that reflects in the movies that they're they're like I said, to varying degrees, very good. But they really they're they in they at every turn they try to not be a batman movie um and i don't think that being well, batman movies is what is good about the movies uh and and you know i i think if you if you really look back at the reality of the situation you know christopher nolan off the strength of some of his earlier movies like uh memento and insomnia he got hired to do this first ever big studio movie with batman begins he didn't necessarily have much of an affinity for Batman. He's not a huge comic book person. He's a movie person. He does. He's not into comics. And he just was like, okay, I'll do this. I'll take this opportunity and figure out a way for to interpret Batman in a way that is interesting to me. So, you know, th- that's the definition of commerce that he's just like, oh, like I got hired to do this job that I'm not necessarily interested or passionate in. And, and I'll just do it because it's an opportunity and figure out a way to make it work for myself. Well, you're on record for being a huge Val Kilmer fan. Oh yeah, and that's the definitive Batman. Of fan. course, of course, of course. And that's that's just common knowledge. Also, it also feels like you're like he's like, oh, those other movies were commerce, and I'm like, well, Black Panther's fucking great, and uh, Wonder Girl, great. Wonder Girl. Wonder Girl. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder, Wonder Woman, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's Wonder Woman. He's a, Ooh, that was a woman, not a girl, Kirk. <laughs> that was terrible. I need to make amends. <laughs> um, that was bad. But th- I mean, those are great. And to say like, oh, those are commerce. I feel like, well, wait, why are you 
slightly shitting on those visions and those directors who may be more interested in comic books or wanting to tell the story. The story's good. So I'm kind of like, meh. Yeah, whatever yeah. Nolan variations. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Christopher Nolan, but yeah, he he tends to have sort of elitist takes on things that are just they're not they're not like they don't actively. I'm not, I don't have like an allergic reaction to them. I'm I'm not like hating him, but I'm just like yeah, I still like uh, him. Yeah, like exactly. It's, it's just like it's just exactly. like, <laughs> I'm still going to see his movies, but I'm like, nah. it's not like Nick Cassavetes said it. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, that makes sense. Here, you're like, you did the movies, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, getting into the pop culture news. This one's going to be fun, Kirk. I'm excited about this one. I'm excited to take you on this journey. I'm interested in it because I know, like, 24% of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and that's really what I'm really, I, I really, I'm, I haven't even put into this outline, like, exactly what I'm going to talk about. Because so I'm really, I'm really in, excited to take you through this. I'm probably not even going to read from this outline. I'm just going to go off. So you're going to you're just going to spit hot fire. Yeah. So um, part of the reason why I chose this story was how much fun it's going to be to walk you through this. Okay. So recently, there there's this big. I don't even know where to start. It's like I, I I'm trying to think of like what the best starting place is. Uh, so. There's this big Super Smash Brothers tournament that happens every yeah. year. And obviously because of COVID-19 and all these restrictions, every kind of convention and tournament and gathering and all these things have all either been canceled outright or they've figured out some way to make them virtual. Uh, so, you know, a lot of a lot of these conventions and things have just gone to becoming like online experiences. And so this Smash Brothers tournament, and it's called it, the called the Big House, that happens every year. Great, great name, yeah, great name. That's that's just a, it's just a, it's one of the biggest ones, and it happens every year. It it made the move to become a an online tournament, which a lot of uh, video game competition competitions have done this year, um, because you know in a in a, in a lot of ways they have the the privilege of working really well in an online capacity in a, in a way mm -hmm. I'll explain why that's not necessarily the case in another way, but conceptually it makes a lot of sense. If you have a big video game competition or tournament that you can just go online and ha and you can still play the game. Like it's, you know, like Comic-Con Comic-Con going virtual is like, this isn't really Comic-Con. This is just kind of a crappy consolation prize like a big zoom call yeah getting getting going on to zoom and seeing like you know fucking chris evans talking about how excited he is for or not even chris evans because he's retired that's a bad example but chris hemsworth talking about how excited he is for the new thor movie is not the same as going to the convention going to the panel seeing a real celebrity sitting there talking about things and then getting to go out onto the floor and seeing all the seeing all the you know the event um uh, things and the, the stands and the the artists and all that stuff. It's not. It's just. That's it's a big just, deal. Yeah, it's just not even the same thing at all. Uh, but a video game competition. At the end of the day, you can. You're still just. You can still play the game with other people online, and and that's that's much more similar to the real experience than anything else. 
Yeah, it's like what's happening now with teenagers today. They're just playing their friends or strangers and Yeah. So that that this 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 competition was taken online. However, it's been shut down by Nintendo. Nintendo shut this down. They sent a cease and desist letter, and now the tournament is not happening. For the first year in a long time, this tournament is not happening. Now, here is is all of the details and politics behind this. So, the reason why an online gaming tournament for a... Okay, let me me take a a step back a little more. (laughs) Take a step back. So unpack it. Uh, there is a huge community around fighting games and and gaming competitions in general. There is a giant dedicated community around uh, players becoming experts at playing these games, whether it's fighting games or first person shooters or anything else. Uh, and there are people who become like these huge expert gamers at these at these games and they become celebrities where they go to competitions and they'll play against each other and they become like notorious as like the best in the game or whatever and then they'll fight they'll 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 win in competitions and they'll win hundreds of thousands of dollars and they make a living off of these competitions and making tons of money from them and they're they're known you know nationally amongst all these all these players and these these competitions are big deals and they happen every year and they have a huge turnout and there's a massively dedicated loyal fan base around them. Super Smash Brothers is a sub community within that community that also has a huge following and there's a big group of loyal uh, players around the Smash Brothers tournaments and competitive Super Smash Brothers playing. Now, within that, there is a sub community of specifically people who are big into the tournament circuit and pl- and competitive gaming for Super Smash Bros. Melee, which is the version that came out on the GameCube. For this, for oh, this, okay, yeah, that's good. For that's this, a good game. For this big group of people, that is the best one, and that's the one that they play. They don't care about any of the other iterations that have come out since then. Super Smash Bros. Melee is the is the best Super Smash Brothers and that's the one that they play professionally and that's the one that they play competitively. And the reason for that is because <clears throat> Super Smash Brothers Melee had all these gaming mechanics that really were well suited for competitive playing and as time went on and as new iterations of the game came out, the 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 developers of Super Smash Brothers, they actually the whole point of Super Smash Brothers is that it's supposed to be a family friendly game. And the creator of Super Smash Brothers, his whole story about why he created the game was he was uh he was at a um he was at an arcade in Japan where arcades are a bigger deal. And in mm-hmm. in in arcades in Japan, people play competitively a lot where you can play fighting games against one another. And the way that they have it set up is that they'll have two arcade cabinets back to back and on you can go to one and you can play on that game on that arcade cabinet and you can play against the person on the other side. So you're competitively playing against somebody else, but you can't actually see who they are. So a lot of times people will just play against people and they don't even know who they're playing against. <clears throat> and 
So he was describing that one time and he's like a professional. He's a pro fighting game player or he was. Uh, and so he was describing this one time that he was at a he was at a an arcade and he was playing against somebody and he was just destroying them. And then after the game, after he completely beat these people and completely destroyed them, he went around and saw and he noticed that he was playing against a couple that was on a date. And he realized that he basically had ruined these people's date by just like demolishing them at this game. And it wasn't fun for them because he was just he just destroyed them. So the yeah. concept of Super Smash Brothers is that he wanted to create a game that was accessible to anybody and that no matter what skill level you were, whether you were an absolute pro or a beginner little kid or whatever it was, you could play together and it would be fun. And so the game is built with all these specific mechanics that are supposed to level the playing field and make it so that no matter who you are, you can't just demolish somebody and, and, and completely own them. Uh, and which is nice, yeah. But that, but that's not strictly how it ends up working. And people still have developed strategies and techniques for becoming pros and having the competitive advantage in Super Smash Brothers. And specifically in in Super Smash Brothers Melee, there were all these mechanics that were in the game that people developed strategies around to become pro gamers. And because uh, Sakurai's whole vision for the game was to make it accessible and family friendly and level the playing field. He didn't like that the players had d- had discovered these vulnerabilities and these mechanics within the game. And so he took them, He they purposely took them out of the game for future iterations. Um, and, and as the games have come out up until the most recent one, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, they've made it more and more accessible and family friendly and get, gotten rid of those vulnerabilities that players have have exploited to develop these strategies for competitively playing. So for a lot of people, Super, Super Smash Bros. Melee is like the game to play because it was the perfect uh, it was the perfect balance of it was the best game that they had developed up to that point And it had all these gameplay mechanics that they have since taken out of the games. Now, the thing about that is there's a huge community around Super Smash Bros. Melee competitive gaming, but Nintendo doesn't like this because they, in their minds, from, from, a, from a company standpoint, their view is Super Smash Bros. Melee is done. It's an old product. We don't, we don't support that product anymore. We want you to play the latest Super Smash Bros. So we don't want you to play Melee. We want you to play Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This is what Super oh, Smash so Bros. Oh, so it's not like we're shutting you down. Screw this. It's like, no, you can play, but you'll play what we want you to play. Well, is that, that correct? That kind of. That, that's, not what this, that, that's not what this is specifically. And I'm, I'm building to that. But that, that's, that's, been, okay. that's been why they've shut things down in the past. Like for a long time, they would send cease and desist. Uh, letters to melee competitions and they would try to stop melee competitive gaming from happening because they just don't like that people are playing melee. It would be like is it would be like if like there was a huge community of people who just like insisted on still using Windows 95. And you know and Microsoft <laughs> I, I'm in that group man. And Microsoft you know they would just be like you you shouldn't be using that like that's so old like we don't support anything about that anymore if you want to be able to use our software and you want to be able to use all of the latest features you need to get windows 7 
uh, you, like you, you shouldn't be using Windows 95 <laughs> anymore. And they would actually do things to stop you from using it. So they would like release updates to it that would break it or whatever. Like that's, that, that's kind of what this is where they just, they're just like, don't like, don't play that game. It's old. It's not what we do anymore. This is we have a new game. This is what we want you to play. We don't want you playing this. So that's been the adversarial relationship between Nintendo and the community of Super Smash Brothers Melee players. Um, and they, they've since softened on that a little bit. Um, they they allow the comp, the tournaments to happen. They don't fight them anymore. And even as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of people swear that swear by playing Super Smash Brothers on a GameCube controller. They don't think that it they, they, like they insist they're so used to playing with the GameCube controller that they don't like playing it on other controllers. So they've actually released a GameCube controller for the Switch so that you can play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate with a GameCube controller because that's what a lot of people like better. They they like the feel of it to play the game. They've become so because the thing about fighting games is it's all about twitch reflexes. Like it's more than any other video game. It's all about feel and muscle memory and things like that. So these people are like they've 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 spent years learning how to play this game on this specific controller and they and they don't they can't play it as well on other controllers. So Nintendo's actually released a GameCube controller for the Switch specifically to play Super Smash Brothers. So, okay. So that's okay. one that's one keep, thing. Keep going more. That's, that's the, crazy. That's the history of competitive video gaming, competitive fighting games, specifically the Super Smash Brothers competitive community, and then specifically the Super Smash Brothers melee competitive community and their adversarial relationship with Nintendo and their history of Nintendo not liking the melee community. So the big house is a Super Smash Brothers melee tournament. Um, or maybe it is everything, but part of it is melee. I forget exactly. But at any rate, the next thing about this is when it comes to playing a fighting game more than any other type of video game because of those Twitch reflexes and how the the, the strategies and the way that people play is all based on like millisecond hair trigger reflexes. The optimal playing experience for playing a fighting game competitively is in person, is playing it on the same machine in together in a room. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people know this, but because people just, just take it for granted that you can play games online and it's fine. But actually, we've actually never really figured out a good way to play fighting games online. We, we, we actually don't mm -hmm. really have the technology to do it the technology to play a fighting game seamlessly doesn't exist. So it's actually people really don't like playing fighting games online. And there's very, there's a very, there's very few examples of online fighting games being successful and playing well. And the reason for this is because of the, the instability of internet networks and the way that, those twitch reflexes are thrown off by inconsistent milliseconds of time whenever the two computers, the two systems are communicating between each other over the internet when you're playing against someone online. So you're playing against somebody online with, in a fighting game and the, your strategy is all based on these, these twitch reflexes and these little microsecond hair trigger moments. And that's completely screwed up to the point that 
for a lot of gamers, it's unplayable when you try to play on the internet and those those the data being transferred back and forth between the two computers is thrown off by inconsistently several milliseconds, three milliseconds of a delay, 10 milliseconds of a delay, 100 milliseconds of a delay, six milliseconds of a delay. This inconsistency makes this playing fighting games online unplayable for certain people that are like really in the in like the pro bracket. So it's not ideal to play online versus playing in person. But there are two methods for playing games online there. And, and basically what it is, is that it's something called a net code. And the net code is a, a system, a script for how your, your console or your computer or whatever communicates with the other computer when you're connecting and playing with somebody directly. And there are two types of net code. There is delay-based netcode, and then there's rollback netcode. So most fighting games that have online multiplayer use delay-based netcode, including Super Smash Brothers. And the thing about delay-based netcode is the way that it works is in order to try to um, in order to try to compensate for those delays, those millisecond delays, it delays your input as well. So essentially what it's saying is if there's like an average of like a four millisecond delay of the inputs from the other character that you're playing against on the internet, if there's an average of like a four second delay from them, from their inputs making it to you, then we're just going to add a four second delay to what you are doing. And in theory, if that averages out to four seconds on their end and we average it out to four seconds on our end, then it should basically end up aligning and that your your inputs will then align with theirs because we're adding a forced um, artificial delay to what you're doing. And that's how most fighting games work when you play them online. But the issue with this is most like legit players that aren't just like casual people that don't give a fuck and aren't skilled enough to even notice. They just can't play with that. It's, it's, it's unplayable. They can't play with that four second or whatever, that four millisecond or whatever millisecond delay that's been placed on their, on their controls. It makes it where they can't play the game at all. So for them, a majority of, of fighting game multiplayer is just unusable. They just they don't play games online. They can only play fighting games in person with other people in the room. Huh. Um, and the reason why that one is so widely used is because it's easier. It's just an easier to implement netcode that doesn't take a lot of work. Now, the other type of netcode is called rollback, rollback netcode. And the way that that works is that essentially what it is is in order to compensate for that delay from the other computer, from the person that you're playing against on the internet, in order to compensate for that, instead of forcing delay to yours to try to match them up, instead, what it does is it doesn't wait for the delay in order to continue playing the game. When you're playing, if you press the punch button on your end and it's an instantaneous uh input like immediately when you press the button the game registers that you've pressed the button the punch button 
the other character presses the block button at the same time as you, but there's a four millisecond delay because of that delay over the internet. Instead of trying to delay your punch to match up with their block or miss that they blocked and let you punch them because their delay, their block was delayed. Instead of that, the game continues going forward without waiting to see what the input is. So in that four milliseconds, you would start punching. The game would move forward as if you were about to punch them without them blocking. But as soon as the input does come in, that four milliseconds later, once the computer gets the input from them, it immediately rewinds the game, re-simulates it as if that block had been pressed from the beginning. It had always been pressed and it changes the game to where the outcome includes the block. And so when you first press the button, you're gonna punch them without the block. But then once it gets their block and it realizes, oh shit, they blocked. We're supposed to block this. It'll rewind the game, re-simulate it, and then it'll just cut in where they've blocked. It'll it'll just it'll it'll and and you don't notice any of this. This is imperceptible to you. To you, you're just playing. But in the game, it's going back and redoing frames of animation to match up with reality as it catches up with the delay. So it'll actually in this way, the gameplay is seamless because you're playing and you're not noticing that it's not getting the right inputs at the right time because in that four milliseconds, it'll go, oh shit, we got to go back in time and we got to redo this. And then it'll go back in time and it'll throw up the block animation and you won't even notice. And also what it does is it actually predicts your inputs based on previous game put, gameplay input. So in addition to um, going back and changing the outcome of the input whenever it receives the information, it also will assume what button you are pressing based on what previous buttons you were pressing. So there's like an algorithm that's essentially predicting your gameplay behavior based on previous gameplay. So if you Jesus if, Christ, if you are if you are backing up, if you're pressing the back button to back up and then there's that delay, your game will basically say, oh, well, they were they were in the process of pressing the back button. So I'm going to assume in this four milliseconds that they were still pressing the back button. And so I'm just going to continue having the character move back. And then once we get the input and confirm, yes, they were pressing the back button, we just will continue with it. But if we get the input at a four second delay or four millisecond delay, and we say like, oh no, actually they didn't continue pressing the back button. They actually stopped and pressed the down button. Then they'll rewind the game, change the input in that four milliseconds of animation from going back to going down. And all of this is imperceptible to your eye. You don't notice this, but the feel of it is what matters. And so in this way, this rollback netcode, it, it's almost as good as playing in person. And mm -hmm. any game that does have rollback, you like these pros can functionally play the game online and and in a way that is playable to them. So. But 
game companies don't like implementing rollback into their games because it's too difficult. And so a lot of them use delay base because it's easier. Okay, so all that being said. It's so angry. But go ahead. So the, hear more. So the big house moved their gaming tournament online. But Super Smash Brothers does not have rollback rollback netcode. It has delay-based, which for all these players would make it completely unplayable to do this online. However, there are modders who have developed their own DIY homebrew netcodes for games. So there are people who, there are fighting games that do not have rollback netcode where modders have programmed their own rollback netcode and then released a mod for the game that replaces the delay-based netcode with the rollback netcode netcode and there is a there is a there is a super smash brothers melee homebrew rollback netcode mod called slippy that the big house was using in order to do this tournament so the tournament was going to use the modded version of super smash brothers melee that uses the slippy netcode however this is the thing that Nintendo took exception to. And this is the thing that they sent the cease and desist letter over that people were using this modded version of Super Smash Brothers Melee to um, play the game. And they said, you can't do that. You have to use the regular official version of Super Smash Brothers. And so they had to cancel the tournament. However, Nintendo said that they'd be fine with the tournament still going on if it was in person. <laughs> Come on, Nintendo. Because then people can play the game with the official version and not have to use the slippy netcode. So oh, fuck COVID is what they're saying. Yeah, essentially what 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 is being said <laughs> here is that Nintendo cares so much about their bottom line and like this perceived <clears throat> this perceived um loss in revenue of people playing Super Smash Brothers Melee instead of getting the new game or buying a legit version of Super Smash Brothers Melee even though even though it's not a game that they produce anymore in lieu of getting this modded version that's available online that they would prefer that you risk going into a crowded um convention hall to get into a bunch of people to play a, a tournament in person and risk spreading covid to just letting these people play this old game from the early 2000s that they don't even make anymore using this modded version of a netcode that they should be releasing if they gave a crap enough about this game to do it, which they don't because they don't make it anymore and they don't care <laughs> about it. I hate so much of this <laughs> on all levels. Uh, first of all, obviously, freaking um, uh, Nintendo, you're fine. You've got money. Relax. Just stop. Stop. You know, let them do the online thing. Yeah, Why let, not? Let them play it's, not, this, it's not going to hurt you. Let them play this old game that you don't even make anymore and use this yeah. modded netcode. Like somebody did your work for you. People for years were like, do a rollback netcode for Super Smash Brothers so we can play it online. And they didn't. They had no interest in, in, in 
providing the service and then somebody just did it for them. Yeah. And also like what revenue are you really losing by letting this happen? Come on, Nothing. you'll, you'll be fine. Get hit you some cobs. Sprinkle them. Maybe sprinkle them. This whole jacking the code. That's my other album. Uh, and, and, and coming up with, uh, you know, these algorithms to fix the milliseconds so it feels better. Go f- fuck off. Just play the game. If you can't get used to playing the game, don't play the game. I mean, but that's the thing is that they're so good at playing the game that they start to become aware of the, the, the minute uh, input feedbacks. I would say they're not so good at the game because if they were good at the game, they'd be able to overcome those little minor details. Listen, Kirk, let me, I'm, I'm going to put it into terms that you can understand. Be better at your game. I'm going to put this into terms that you can understand. This is the equivalent of the difference between putting a slice of cheese on the burger after you've taken it off the grill <laughs> and grilling the burger with the cheese on it on the grill. For many people, including myself, I don't see what the difference is. It melts the cheese either way. I've put a piece of cheese onto a onto a burger, in my case, a veggie burger, after it's been taken out of the oven or off the grill or whatever, and it melts the cheese onto the burger. There's the heat. It's providing the heat. It melts the cheese. I do not notice a difference at all between those two processes. But in your mind or from your perspective, it's so different that like if you put cheese on the thing after you've taken it off the grill, like you're eating garbage. It's like that. Is it that it's not like that because you don't get a fully melted piece of cheese once you take it off. That's science. But I, you get a fully melted piece of cheese on your veggie burger when you add it while it's cooking. But That's I mean from from my from my perspective, you do because a che- cheese has a very low uh melting temperature or whatever. So the difference between it cooking while on the grill versus putting it on the steaming hot burger after it's been taken off the grill, to me, I don't see a difference at all. But you can eyeball it. You can look at a piece of cheese and go, oh, that's fully melted. And a piece of cheese that's not fully melted. And I look at the burger. You can eyeball it. I look at the burger and I eyeball it whenever the cheese has been put onto the thing and it looks fully melted to me and it tastes identical. No, <laughs> but this is my point. I mean, you're 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 just proving my point. I'm not trying to. I'm not even trying to debate no, no. you. I'm not trying to debate there you. Is. This cheese thing. I'm trying to explain to you that this is the this is what it is. This is the this this is they are noticing something in that four milliseconds of delay that other people do not notice because they are not as refined in their mm-hmm. pa- palette of what this thing is. I see what you're saying. I okay. I get what you're saying there. Now I'm siding with Nintendo. You're you're siding with Nintendo? Yeah. There how, you go. Boom. How does that? How is that? How does that make you side with Nintendo? Because give me a second. Because they're fucking with. You're just uh, improvising their infringement. You're improvising a, a contrarian standpoint. Yeah, they have a proprietary interest in their game, and technically, using those codes is fucking up their proprietary uh, property. Why is there a Japanese man holding a gun to your head? 
everything is fine. Nintendo, play the new Nintendo games. <laughs> They're better than the old games. That's the worst forced endorsement I've ever heard. <laughs> I just, just, there's so much involved in here that you're just, again, obviously, Nintendo, stop it. That's ridiculous. But this whole, like, we need to play this game in a different way, so we're going to alter it. That's just, it's a lot of work to play a game. But for some, it's worth the work. So Netflix has removed Chappelle's show after he demands fans never watch it again. Um, and essentially what happened here, uh, and I, it's interesting, I, I kind of saw this unfold in real time mm-hmm. because uh, Dave Chappelle was the host of Saturday Night Live a couple episodes ago. Oh, yeah. It was a good episode. It was like three weeks or so ago. I forget exactly what it was. Time is a construct. Now. And so when I, I watched the episode when it came out and at the end of his monologue, he throws out this thing where he says, um, Chappelle shows on Netflix and he didn't get paid for it. Like he makes he says something about like he makes a joke or he says something about how um it's on Netflix and he didn't get paid for it. And then at the end of his monologue, he says like, go watch Chappelle's show on Netflix. But it kind of like, it was kind of a weird moment. Like he, there was kind of like a, he kind of had like a weird tone when he said it. And it seemed like there was just something going on there. Like you could just get the sense that there was some weird vibe. He didn't say anything specifically. I mean, he made the, he cracked the joke or the statement or whatever about how he didn't get paid for it. But otherwise he said, he was just like, go watch Chappelle's show on Netflix. But there was just like, there was a tone to it that just seemed like there was something weird going on. Definitely. Um, that I was, I was distinctly aware of whenever I watched it without knowing any of what was to come. And then, so a couple days after he was on, um, SNL, uh, Netflix took Chappelle's show down. They took it off. And then a little bit after that, he dropped this 17-minute stand-up special or clip or whatever you would call it on his social media. And it was just him doing stand-up in an outside thing. Uh, And it was 17 minutes long. And it was less of a stand-up thing. It was more of just... It was... was, it was kind of like a storytelling thing. Like he's been doing things like this. Like if you've seen some of his recent stand-up specials and appearances, like yeah. these like extended storytelling monologues that are funny but also serious. Um, and he dropped this one, and it was all about this. It was called Unforgiven, and it was about the fact that he took a terrible deal at Comedy Central and never got paid anything for Chappelle's show even though it was like the biggest hit for this network in the history of it or whatever. And how he was working with Netflix. He's, he's, uh, he has a, he has a deal with Netflix where he produces comedy specials for them. So he's like specifically working for Netflix um, exclusively. And he reached out to them and he was just like, you know, I, I never got paid for this. They screwed me out of getting paid for this huge show that I created. And I would just, I I don't like it that you uh, that you put this up because it just feel it just it just feels terrible to just 
be working with you and having this thing that you've put up that is a, is is a symbol of this time that I was completely exploited and and screwed by this big corporation and then Netflix they took it down. They were just like, "Yeah, hey, it's more worth working with you than it is for having this up." And um, which is great. Yeah. And honestly, like, I mean, Unforgiven, the clip is really good, but also I made this observation whenever I shared it, whenever I shared it on my own personal Facebook page, but it's the greatest Netflix commercial ever made. Because <laughs> it, it's this it's this deeply personal story about exploitation in in capitalist America and how small people are taken advantage of by big corporations and screwed out of money and all these things. But it's also just it builds to just being this literal commercial for Netflix where he's just like after this whole thing, he's like, that's why I like working for Netflix because they care. And, it, and he doesn't, da, 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 he doesn't say it like it. that, but it feels it's like I it's like accidentally a commercial for Netflix. Yeah, I mean, uh, good on them. I mean. Why? Why not? I I think it's cool too that Netflix is just like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. it's not on anymore. Like, it's not even like, let's talk about it. Maybe we can work something out. It was like, no, that's fine. Yeah, because I'm sure they're thinking he's going to do more and more for us anyway. Yeah, first, I mean, yeah, that was that was the cost benefit analysis that they did. Um, yeah, but maybe Nintendo should take a little uh, lesson from Netflix. I thought you were on their side. I contain multitudes. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people will probably say like, oh, like that's dumb. Like he's just whining. He should have he should have been smarter about the contract he signed, contracts he signed or whatever. But like that's bullshit. Like, yeah, there's this idea in business which is prevalent. And I've definitely experienced it so many times where it's this idea that like, you're responsible for doing your due diligence. So if you sign a bad deal, it's on you. But like that's from a business perspective, that's sound. But from a human perspective, it's total horseshit. It's like you, we, you, we've built a system where in which everybody is by default trying to screw each other over and you you do it until you don't get away with it anymore. And that's just the established status quo is like I'm going to I'm going to try to screw you over. And it's your job to not let yourself be screwed over. And it's like, can't we just not try to screw each other over? Uh, is that possibly an option? Yeah. Is there let's, really? Let's just do a fair deal where everyone's yeah. happy. Uh, yeah. I, I, people who are like, well, should Reddit care for I'm like, if you were in the same position, you'd be just as pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone sure. thinks they're business minded people until they get a, a contract that they don't like. And then they're like, well, I, that's not fair. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I like I like to rewatch Chappelle's show, but I'm not not to not that bad to the point where I would just be yeah. like, "This is bullshit." Like, yeah, I wanted to watch we've that. All, we've all seen them a lot. I mean, when they were on, we watched them all incessantly, repeatedly. So I yeah. think we're all good. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe this will lead to uh, Comedy Central paying him, giving him some kind of cut of streaming sales or something. Yeah. Um. So. Black Panther 2 is going to begin filming this summer. Uh, it's official. 
Principal photography for Black Panther 2 will begin at some point in July of 2021, with work on the script for the Marvel sequel series uh, sequel expected to start very soon. Following the tragic death of lead star Chadwick Boseman earlier this year, it was unknown when the studio would begin work on Black Panther 2. Reports state that production will take place in and around Atlanta and could last up to six months in 2022. In the wake of Chadwick Boseman's passing, it's also being reported and has been theorized by fans that Letitia Wright's Shuri will have a much more prominent role in the follow-up, perhaps even taking on the mantle of Black Panther, much like she does in the comics. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o's... Is that how you say that? I've never... I don't think I've ever... Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, Winston Duke and Angela Bassett are all expected to return and reprise their roles alongside Wright, with director Ryan Coogler also due to return to helm the project. While... Uh, plot details remain scarce at this time. Narcos Mexico star Tenoch uh, Huerto? Is I think it's Huerto, yeah. Uh, He's is, great. Narcos is great. He's great in it. Is now in talks to play the movie's main antagonist. While the role currently remains a mystery, speculation has already begun to spread that the actor will be betraying Namor the, sub, uh, the sub, uh, Namor the Submariner with the Atlantean King's involvement in the Black Panther sequel having been rumored for some time. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's tragically passed. Chadwick Boseman tragically passed away on August 28th at the end of at the age of 43. The star of such movies as 42 and uh, Defy Bloods has been secretly battling colon cancer for the last four years and died surrounded by his wife and family. Since his death, fans have wondered how the Black Panther franchise will continue and whether Marvel will bring the actor back using a digital double. Which, like we talked about that on last episode, of like why did people think that? That's insane. Yeah. You think that you think. Anybody would have done that. Like that would be the most cynical business move of all time. That would that would that would draw such massive criticism. Oh yeah. Um, thankfully, producer Victoria Alonso has stated that this will not be the case. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how they're going to do this. I mean, I, like on one hand, I'm not really worried about it. Like I like I I care less about what they're going to do with Black Panther two than I do about the fact that this dude just like tragically died in a really upsetting way um yeah but on this but also on the on the other hand um i have no idea of how they're gonna do this but i'm also like i'm not i'm, I'm like oh, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and try to figure that out like i think that they'll come up with some kind of interesting way of pivoting around that and yeah. i think we can't even imagine what they're gonna do yet and i think that whatever they're gonna do is probably gonna be pretty interesting yeah it's one of those things i'm like they'll figure it out They'll, they'll figure it out. Also, if I had to bet, I'd be like, you know, do the most obvious uh, solution, which is Shuri. Just do a kick-ass Shuri movie and be like, there you go. And people will lose their minds. It seems like that would be the 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 most obvious choice, especially considering that they've done similar things in the comics with Shuri kind of taking over the mantle. But That should uh, be that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. So... Uh, Deadpool 3 is officially happening at Disney. Rejoice! It's now been confirmed that the Merc with a Mouth will return in Deadpool 3 with Ryan Reynolds all set at once again to reprise the role as the Marvel's, the Marvel anti-hero. Meetings have reportedly been taking place with writers over the past month with Ryan Reynolds hearing an assortment of pitches from a variety of talented scribes finally settling on Bob's Burgers duo Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux Loglin or Leglin or something. Um, to pen the highly anticipated Deadpool threequel. There has been no word on what would be done with the character since the acquisition of the Fox by Disney. And while there have been whispers in the, of the X-Men eventually joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, nothing has been mentioned about the R-rated Deadpool. 
The character's penchant for bloody violence and foul language has had many wondering how exactly Deadpool could be brought into the family-friendly world of the Avengers and Spider-Man. And while it remains to be seen whether this will even ever even happen, Reynolds and Molyneux sisters have clearly found a way to continue the Deadpool franchise under the Disney banner. Um, so, uh, you know, we've reported on this in previous episodes, a lot of uh, instances where the creator of Deadpool, um, Rob Liefeld, has basically he'll talk on social media a lot and give these hot takes. And he, we, we talked about how he basically a couple times was like, they're, they're never going to make a Deadpool three, like Deadpool's dead. Like they're, it's just not going to happen. And at that time I talked about the fact that that's, I don't think that's true at all. I think they're definitely going to make it. Yeah. Um, and that seems like that's the case. It yeah. seems like, you know, it, it Obviously, is it's moving forward because money. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Th- it makes so much money. Of course, Disney will be like, listen, I, we know Disney's for family, but people love Deadpool. People don't want a PG Deadpool, so they're going to make it. Yeah. And it'll make a ton of money, and I can't wait to see it. Can I – I'm going to give my own hot take. Okay? Steam, uh, steam, steam my glasses up, Kirk. Steam it up. The, the, the nickname Merc with a Mouth is fucking dumb. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's just a, oh, here's the thing about this. I mean, I've, I've ranted about how I think that Deadpool is an overrated character before, which yes, I, you which, have. which I, which is my, which I, is my opinion. Um, but even as, even as cool as Deadpool has become in future iterations of the character and the way that certain writers have taken him in the comics and made him an interesting character and the way that the movies have been made, the, the original actual Deadpool that was created by Rob Liefeld in the 90s is a dumb, shitty Rob Liefeld character. Like, wow. R- Rob Liefeld is like one of the cheesiest comic book writers and artists ever. His characters are just dumb, beefcake, overly stylized, muscle-bound, absurd caricatures of what comic book superheroes are i mean he's notoriously sort of criticized in the comic book world as being this ham-fisted cheesy artist that makes these kind of overwrought characters and stories and deadpool was the same thing except for he was then taken and reinterpreted by other writers and kind of made into an interesting cool character but Mm -hmm. yeah i mean everything about deadpool conceptually is just dumb um, but so I mean, work with the mouth that has always been there. That nickname is yeah, that's that yeah, there. that's that's just his. That's the thing that you they, that's like call that's like calling Spider Man the the you know the wall crawler or the. But I mean, at least that's calling cool. calling Batman and Robin the dynamic duo like that. That's okay, cool. That's that's what the work with the mouth is. Yeah, I don't like work because the thing is, is like he's a mercenary and his he's known yeah. for being mouthy and being a smart aleck. So that's just always been his nickname. Not here for it. Don't want it. Get rid of it. Boom. (laughs) All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do our regular segment. Can you go for that? After these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back. Um, and uh, on this episode, we there's actually not any kind of significant 
uh, new footage or anything to play. So we're not going to do the footage of the day segment because there's just there just wasn't anything to to report on or watch. So we're going to go right to our regular segment where we talk about rumors and unsubstantiated nostalgic stories and give our opinion on whether we think they're good ideas or not. And that segment is called. Can you go for that? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, can you, oh, can you go for that? Oh, 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 can you, oh, can you go for that? Oh, can you go for that? This is the remix of Can You Go For That? You got emotional on that one. Yeah, I, I, I cried a little bit. You're feeling it. Yeah. First story, um, it's, so there's a rumor that um and this is kind of the this is on the heels of a bunch of other rumors where there's the, all these rumors which have not really been fully substantiated yet and they could be true in some shades or they could all could be completely false but this rumor that the the third Spider-Man movie the third in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies is going to borrow a page from the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse animated feature that came out from Sony and incorporate this like multiverse um, aspect to it and bring in characters from different Spider-Man franchises or different Spider-Man universes. And in this way, use that as an opportunity to bring in these cameo appearances by older characters and actors from different Spider-Man franchises. And the, the big rumor is that they are bringing back Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield to like come into the movie as alternate universe Spider-Man um, to have these cameos by these previous franchise Spider-Man actors. And um, that's just been a, that's been a huge rumor for a while. No really telling if it's true or not at this point, but the latest rumor is that they're also talking about bringing back Alfred Molina who played Dr. Octopus in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire. Uh, no, he's played, he played Dr. Octopus in, in Spider-Man 2. Um, yes. Yeah. And there, there's, a, there's a rumor that he's going to be brought back to play a Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 3. Fuck yeah. Listen, listen I can go for that. If you're going to do this multi-universe world, which I am here for, then just just lean into it and do it all over. Why not? Why not just lean into being this multiverse and exploring every avenue you can of that? Because otherwise, it's just going to be another Spider-Man movie with him fighting a villain. So go ahead. And Alfred Molina, genius. Who doesn't like Alfred Molina? And... Yeah, get an older villain. You already got a bunch of younger villains. Get an older villain. All across the board, I can go for that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the best part. Dun, 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 dun. Motoring. <laughs> I can go for that. That was genius. You, the, you, that was really you good. Get, you get, the, really you get good. the reference? You got, you got where I was oh, going with yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, still a boogie, hot-ass boogie nice action. Yeah. Alfred Molina and Boogie Nights as the classic drug dealer with a little like Asian kid running around throwing firecrackers or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, yeah could genius. I, I could definitely go for that. I could definitely go for Alfred Molina coming back as Doc Ock. Yeah, for sure. 
Absolutely. That, Give that, it to me. Yeah. I mean, I was, I got so excited in the theater. I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even like, um, uh, the second Spider-Man movie, the, uh, um, not Spider-Man two with Tom McGuire, but, um, far from home. I didn't even like it. Oh, really? Yeah. But at the end, when fucking J. Jonah Jameson appeared on that screen and it was, and it was fucking, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the fuck is his name? The actor who, pl- who plays Jane Jonah Jameson. Uh, oh, uh, I, I, I just, uh, he's in a new show that I love too. Oh, why am I blanking on the thing that you're blanking? Yeah, I, it's really bothering me. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. Uh, oh, th- this, I mean, I can't, I'm so angry at us right now. Yeah, it's I'm really, so it's, angry at us. It's really bad. It's really bad. He's um, a whiplash. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is wrong with us? <laughs> Seriously, what is wrong with he has us? A, he has another three name like J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, um, he's in Counterpart, which is a great show on Amazon. Uh, I'm watching it right now. We suck. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, we suck. That, we was, are, we, that was really bad. That was, re- I mean, that was terrible. We host a pop culture nostalgia cast yeah. show, and we can't remember who J.K. Simmons is. I can remember who he is. I just i i had a total brain uh, fart of what his name was. Yeah, um, it's terrible. But yeah, he, whenever I whenever he appeared on the screen, I that was I got so excited. That was like almost yeah. that almost that, w- that almost made the whole movie good to me. Yeah. So yeah, I could definitely be excited for Alpha Molina coming back as definitely. Alpha. Um. So reportedly. Uh, they there is going to be a new live action Grinch movie that's going to go into development. So count them two or three fucking Grinch movies. Four if you count the original like animated cartoon from the sixties. Wait, what were the other two? There's, there's the, the first one. The, the there's the first one from the sixties, the the animated musical. Yeah, and then there's the Jim Carrey one. And then yeah. there's the uh, CGI animated one from Illumination Entertainment where Benedict Cumberbatch oh, played the Grinch. Yeah. Okay. That came out like okay. that came out like two years ago. Um, yeah. So there's gonna be a fourth fucking Grinch movie, a live action one. Not only that, but a, apparently they're eyeing Jim Carrey to come back as the Grinch. So it's like gonna be another Grinch retelling, but also. St- have Jim Carrey playing the Grinch again and it doesn't it doesn't say that it's supposed to be like a sequel to the to the other one it's like a new Grinch movie it it, it specifically says new Grinch live action movie in the works at Universal but then they also just want to get Jim Carrey to come back and play the Grinch no I can't go for that don't don't do this the gods of Hollywood squash this this is so dumb. First of all, hot take. Uh, the original Grinch, it's fine. There's better There's better Christmas specials. It's fine. The Jim Carrey one is terrible. It's boring. I can't imagine the Benedict Cumberbatch one being that much better. So why do it a fourth time? We've, we've, we've told the story. Where's the Grinch going to go? Is he getting married? Is now he is 
has kids. And I don't think it's a sequel. Prove- I think it's just the Grinch story again. It's like a, it's like a it's like a remake. It's like it's like it's like if I'm trying to think. Of it. What what is an example? It's 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 shame on us. Shame on us for <laughs> as humans for thinking that we need a fourth one. It's like if if they. This is a random thing I pulled out of a hat, but it's like when they did that remake of Total Recall. But if oh, yeah. instead of Colin Farrell, they just recast Arnold Schwarzenegger in it again. That's see, there you go. It's just like and like no, it's the same movie. We maybe some better CGI, but it's the same movie. I uh, this is one of the most I can't go for that I've ever couldn't go for. Yeah, I mean. I definitely don't agree with you that the original Grinch special is okay. I love it's the okay. I love the book. I love the 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 cartoon. It's it great. Is what I remember. This is the only thing I remember from the Jim Carrey movie. Is at the end, you know, they do the the blooper reel and the outtakes. Yeah. And there's one outtake where he's with Jeffrey Tambor and he gets right into Jeffrey Tambor's face and bites off the prosthetic nose. And everyone and extras, everyone's laughing and think it's funny. And you can see Jeffrey Tambor's face. And he's like, I fucking got to go back into makeup again for this. (laughs) He looks so pissed off. That is the only good moment of. Not to mention the the makeup artist just being like, what? God dang it. Yeah. It's like three hours to do that makeup. He's got to do it all over again because you needed to do a funny bit. (laughs) That's Uh, my takeaway from the Grinch movie. And that's why I can't go for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. So, but I, I didn't care for the Jim Carrey movie, and I haven't seen the Benedict Cumberbatch one. Um, Same. But uh, yeah, this isn't. This is this. Is, if this is true or in, in any regards possible, this is insane. This is like this is an insane idea. Like, why would we want another Grinch movie two years after it's the last one? Let alone with just the same guy. I mean, I mean, not not that yeah. I think. Not that I think these movies should be made at all, like just endlessly rebooted like this. But if you are going to remake a movie like this, half of the like interest in it is seeing what the new actor is going to do with the role. Yeah, exactly. And it's just also all of the three that are existing play ad nauseum over Christmas. So now you want a fourth one playing ad nauseum That's over Christmas? Just, that just has the same guy. Yeah. It's like, it's like do you want you guys want to watch uh, the original Grinch? The Jim Carrey Grinch, the Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch, or the second Jim Carrey Grinch? <laughs> yeah. And then it's just, oh, I want the second Jim Carrey one. No, I want the first Jim Carrey. Oh, I hate all of it. Not to mention that there's also the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol movie. So it's like, do you guys want to watch the Jim Carrey Grinch, the second Jim Carrey Grinch, or the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol movie? And the, oh, my kids have shot themselves. They, in the, I have no more children. In the middle of Guess my... I'll watch- <laughs> yep. Guess I'm watching Polar Express by yep. myself. Yep. Uh, yeah. I I cannot go for that. I think more than I've ever not gone for anything. Like you said. 100%. Like you said. Yep. And that has been another edition of. Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Can you go? Can you go? Oh, 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 oh. Can you go, can you go, can you go for that?
Can you go? Can you go? Sung in with the delirious lunacy of having reacted to that Grinch news. <laughs> exactly. To create a sobering transition into the final story that com- that definitely shifts the mood. Yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox has officially retired from acting due to complications from his ever-worsening Parkinson's disease complications. Uh, beloved actor and star of Back to the Future of the Back to the Future series, Michael J. Fox has announced that he is retiring from the screen due to his health. Dad. Ephraim, Dad. no, Dad. you need to stop Dad. it right now. I know. You need to stop. I am almost done. We have Elliot Thanksgiving and this is Elliot. Yes, I know, Ephraim. You need to stop. I am almost done. I literally just to be a couple minutes. Um, Beloved actor and star of the Back to the Future series, Michael J. Fox, has announced that he is retiring from the screen due to his health. Fox made the announcement in his second memoir, No Time Like the Future, in which the actor outlined that the work has become too much for him to bear, at least for now. There is a time for everything in my time of putting in a 12-hour workday and memorizing seven pages of dialogue is best behind me. At least for now, I enter a second retirement. That could change because everything changes, but this is the end of my acting career, so be it. But if this is the end of my acting career, so be it. Diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 1991 at the age of 29, Fox semi-retired from acting in 2000 as the symptoms of the disease worsened. The actor recently revealed his ongoing struggles with his illness, saying, My short-term memory is shot. I always had a real proficiency for lines memorization, and I had some extreme situations where the last couple of jobs I did were actually really word-heavy parts. I struggled during both of them. Despite this, Fox continues to do what he can in the industry he loves and has now found a passion behind the scene with writing. I'm down to this, he said. My guitar playing is no good. My sketching is no good anymore. My dancing never was good, and acting is getting tougher to do. So it's down to writing. Luckily, I really enjoy it. You know, I, I, this is a real, you know, it's a sad story because, you know, we grew up with Michael J. Fox, but at the other hand, it's also uplifting because he's just the fucking best. Yeah. Just what what a great attitude, especially at the end where he's like, yeah, I can't play guitar anymore and I can't sketch anything, so I'm going to write. And he's like, and I'll just take this writing thing as far as it'll take me and I enjoy it and that's great. I mean, we all should have the attitude of Michael J. Fox in our lives. What a stand-up guy. Yeah. Unlike Nintendo. Yeah. Michael J. Fox does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> oh, damn. You hit it on the head. Buttoned yep. it well. Yep. And uh, on that note, if you enjoyed what you heard and you haven't done so yet, you might consider subscribing to Nostalgia Cast on your preferred podcast app of choice. If you have a friend that you think might like the show, feel free to share it with them. If you want to keep up to date with all the news about the podcast, as well as all the nostalgic content we share on a daily basis, you can join us on Facebook. You can search Nostalgia on Facebook, and that's us with the blue check mark next to our name, the official Nostalgia Facebook page. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Nostalgia. And uh, if you have any thoughts or concerns or questions or comments you might want read on the show, you can email us at NostalgiaCastPod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay inside.